Welcome to Tech Inspired. My name is Priska and I am your host today. With this podcast, we want to inspire and empower more women to start a career in tech. We interview on a regular basis exciting guests from the tech industry who share their stories, insights and career advice. Let's get started to build your best career in tech. Okay, great. I'm very happy to have Akira back again. We talked, when was it? 2021, 22? I think it was 2022. Yes, we talked about how you got into the, the software engineering or the tech space from being an opera singer actually before. And yeah, then we've been in touch of, on LinkedIn a lot of times. I saw what you were doing. I think you reached them out and say, hey, let's catch up talk about what has happening in the past year. And I really like that idea because especially when you're so new to the tech industry, when you haven't been working for 20 years already in a very short time, like two years, a lot of things can happen. And I'm super happy to have you back and talk to you about what has, has happened in the last two years. And yeah, um, let's pick up two years ago. I think you were just on the, the brink to changing from what you were doing. So maybe you can share a little bit from the past, what led you then to your next job and specifically how did you end up in, in the security space? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, it's so good to see you again. I love our chat. So this <laughs> is gonna be a lot of fun. Um, I was working God, two years ago, I was transitioning away from being in developer relations, which is like a mix of software engineering, education, teaching, writing, speaking, essentially making your product more accessible to software developers into going into full-time engineering myself. And I think what really drove that change, Prisca, is that I love talking about technical topics, hence why I'm like here on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I love writing about technical, technical topics. I love speaking, but I didn't love necessarily doing those activities around something that I wasn't building. Mm -hmm. So with DevRel, you're really talking about products that you may not have a lot of hands-on time actually building, creating, ideating, designing. So I wanted to go back into being engineering full-time because I was like, well, I still want to build like that part of my career, that part of my day-to-day -day in and out of my life was like really missing. I wanted to build stuff. I wanted to essentially work with my colleagues to create something amazing from the ground up. And so when I got my job at Resilia, that is functionally what I did. I built from the ground up our entire application security program. And that was so much fun. What I'll say that was really interesting about it is like, not only was I building the program, and integrating security practices into every stage of the software development lifecycle, I was also the sole engineer. So I was also doing all the AppSec activities inside of the program I was building as I was building the program. So it was kind of like someone handing you a bunch of like wood and hammers and nails and being like, all right, like you need to build an airplane, but you also need to get to Chicago within the next day and you need to fly there, right? So <laughs> it was kind of like being in the middle of the air like oh no like I have to build a tail wing like ah like <laughs> and make sure the plane doesn't crash this okay I'm kind of wearing this analogy out but yeah. yeah that's functionally what I was doing it sounds for me super scary super exciting but also scary because you were saying you're the only one there uh, so 
you were given just the task and say, here you go, I'll see you in two years again, tell us what you have. How did you deal with this? How did you, were you scared when you started this job? And Oh yeah. Was, um, and how did you deal with the situation? <laughs> that's a great that's a great call out because I was like terrified. Like my first, my first meeting with, with my first engineering pod that I was doing like a project with, it was so funny, Prisca. Like my, the manager of that pod is like so kind. And like, she was like, oh, I'm so glad we have an expert on our team now. They can help us with this stuff. And my immediately need, like immediate knee jerk reaction was like, I'm not an expert. What are you talking about? I don't know anything. Where like, is the expert? I want to <laughs> but I also over time realized that as far as security goes, like I was like the expert. And when you're an engineer, especially in like the current tech environment, like what's important is not necessarily how much knowledge you come into a specific position having, although a baseline of knowledge, of course, is really important. What's important is that you can solve problems on the fly, right? And throughout my life, I've always been pretty solid, actually, at solving problems like on the fly. So I just really exercised that skill set that I'd already built. I built it very heavily in the arts. Like, I think that if you are a company and you need candidates for a job, like, especially if you're a startup, look at artists because they are so good I just figuring it out with like very little resources, <laughs> which is what I had functionally because it was just me and I like didn't have a budget and I just had to figure it out. I guess another thing I'll say is that I was really lucky to have a really good manager who also was like very, very knowledgeable and very responsive. So that was really important. And I tightly coupled with him like all the time. So when I kind of finally got over myself and I was like, okay, like even if I don't think I'm the expert, I am the expert. So I better like get my stuff together and like become a little bit more ebullient and outgoing about my own skill set. I actually started asking my manager, like, can we pair on different projects? Right. So that was a very tactical, hands on, concrete thing I did to help me move through this whole process. Was I just bothered my manager, whose name is Tyler Von Mall. He's amazing. Um, and I was like, can we just work on this together? And we would schedule like a couple hours a week and just work on whatever I needed to work on. And I would be able to bounce ideas off of someone because as the sole AppSec engineer, if you are just trying to do all this out of your own head, like forget it. Like you could be brilliant and know everything, but you still have to get knowledge about the organization you're working with. You need to understand like the inner workings of like, how people communicate, how do they collaborate? Like, and Tyler for me was that lifeline where I could really understand how Resilia operated and not just like blindly like a bull in a China shop, like go and be like, okay, we're going to do it my way. Like you really can't do it like that. Mm -hmm. Give us a little bit more of insight about Resilia. It's a startup. What were they doing? How big were they when you started there? Yeah, sure. So Resilia is a late stage series B startup. Um, they are a for-profit, obviously they're a startup, but their whole product is a SaaS product that helps the nonprofit industry. So there were about, I want to say a hundred people when I joined and my colleagues were mainly software engineers that were spread across five pods initially. And then we had a bit of a downsize and so it went down to four pods. 
of like five, six engineers per pod. And then of course I had to liaise with the head of engineering and our CTO as well. I really like what you said before with the, this um, collaboration with your um, manager as well. And I think this is a great way of getting into the, into the space or accelerating your knowledge as well. How did your manager react when you came up with this idea? Because I think what was your situation that you were feeling comfortable saying, okay, this is the idea I have. I go to my manager and discuss with him how we can manage or how I can improve with his help together. Oh, wow. Okay. So just to be clear, I want to make sure I'm answering the right question and we're solving the right problem here together. Is your question, how did my manager react and respond when I went to him with these like ideas? On okay. one hand and then on the other hand, also make you, make you feel comfortable to even raise it in the first point. Or that's, first point. that's really a fascinating question because those two things have to be in tandem. Otherwise work doesn't get done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you don't feel comfortable going to your manager, like forget it, that's not gonna, that's not gonna do anything. And also if your manager is not receptive, then yeah, it's just the work just is not going to get done. So I think it really speaks really highly how good of a manager Tyler was that he from jump was always asking me like, so like, what do you think? Like, what do you think we should do here? Like, what do you, what are your ideas? And he also is really good at asking like really probing questions that move the conversation forward. And what I really got from him was a sense of respect. And that means a lot to me. Like I really thought that he respected my ideas. He respected my viewpoint. We would ideate on problems together. Like we were both very honest that like, I don't know the answer to this. So let's just like work it out and figure this out together. And not only did I feel heard in like our sessions when we would pair, the things that I came up with would actually come to fruition. So he empowered me to say, you know, like, I think we should do, for example, an AppSec charter, right? I think we should put these particular subheadings on this charter so that people can understand what our program's about. And he'd be like, great, go do it. And he wouldn't fight me about it, right? Mm -hmm. He'd be like, cool, like, go do it. Let's like see mm -hmm. what happens. And then I would come back with it and be like, here's the deliverable. What do you think? He was like, yeah, most of the time he would just say, it looks great, like ship it. And sometimes he would have things to say. So that also showed me that he was very engaged, right? He wasn't just like, yeah, like do whatever you want. Like, I don't care. He would provide me feedback, but he was really like very iterative, really just wanted things to like take flight and like, we were both kind of partners in the building the airplane as it was flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. I mean, this is it's great. And I feel this is how leaders should be today. They should enable, encourage their employees and helping where help is needed, but not taking on the role of I do it myself and I just tell you what to do and nothing else, not enabling you to, to move forward. Um, what else is it like that you enjoyed in the past two years working in the in the cybersecurity space? Or maybe can you give me a someone has no idea what you are doing the whole day? <laughs> How sure. you explain to them what you're doing the whole day? <laughs> yeah. So I was doing different things every day. We would have different initiatives that would run anywhere from two to four weeks. And I would focus mainly on that one initiative for that cycle of time, which was such a blessing to be able to just 
focus in and really delve deep into a topic and then like integrate it into everything else. So that felt good. Um, so when I, from the time I started to the time I ended, I was working far more on strategy when I first started. And then by the end of like the first year, I was working very heavily on implementation. So what do I mean by that? So when I say strategy, functionally, I spent a lot of time developing what's called an AppSec charter, which was a document that was going to be socialized, aka like passed around and like educated about with our engineering team, with the engineering leadership, with the CTO, with the head of engineering about why am I here, right? Like, why did they hire an AppSec person? Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, what can you expect from me? Like, what is an AppSec program? Like, what is AppSec even in the first place, right? And so this document, I spent about two and a half weeks on it, really refining it. And then I spent about a week, like, socializing it and having meetings with people about it and, like, touching base with each of the engineering teams and being like, okay, like, what is confusing? What is not confusing? Like, what makes sense? What questions do you have? Just so I could functionally get out, like, a very explicit wording about here's what I'm doing here. Here's what you can expect from me. And here's what I need from you so that we can do our job together. Well, by the end of my tenure, this is like fast forwarding, like quite a lot. There was of course quite a lot in the middle. I was really like functionally focusing on like, okay, I need to like get our DAS scanner to automated to automatically test our PRs every time we open a PR. Um, I need to get our SAS backlog cleaned up, right? We need to collaborate with the engineers to like get this ginormous backlog of SAS issues to get fixed. We need to be doing continuous education for the developers. And so a lot of it turned from strategy to actual AppSec activities. And then what would happen is I would continuously refine the strategy and tweak not the charter, but I would tweak my approach as time went on and as the business's needs evolved. That's a really long answer, but hopefully that <laughs> gives people a little bit of insight. Even if you don't know what AppSec activities are, just think of it as like, I started very broad, right? Mm -hmm. It was like a top-down approach. I started with this huge overarching strategy started to get more and more granular. And then as the granularity picked up, I had to kind of pop back up here to the strategy and tweak it, bring it back down to the granularity, pop back up, tweak it, bring it back mm -hmm. down to the granularity. Mm -hmm. And which part was, was your favorite? you more the person who likes the strategy or the implementation? That's, oh, I like both so much. I'm like such a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on the activity of the granular things I was doing. So I did a lot of stuff that was like defined as AppSec activities, right? I did threat modeling, I did DAS, I did SAS, I did developer education, I did secure code review, all kinds of stuff. I liked all of it, but I fell in love with threat modeling. I think threat modeling is beautiful. Like I genuinely see it as an art form that I aspire to be an artist at someday. I love threat modeling. <laughs> I really do. I just, I think it's beautiful. 
Um, so in that, like I had maybe, I had another activity that I really, really liked, which was doing secure code review because that was really challenging. Like that one was like so hard, like mm -hmm. you're picking out little tiny snippets from like random sections of the code base. And like, you don't have a lot of context. Like it's a really fascinating problem to solve. Mm -hmm. Right. But that one was really hard. So the threat modeling came a lot more naturally to me because it's also a very big picture oriented type of exercise. And I'm a very big picture oriented type of person. So I could take again, it was kind of like a microcosm of the strategy, implementation, strategy, implementation, strategy, and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. Actually giving a talk in a couple of weeks for ISACA South Florida for their annual WOW conference. You should totally check it out. Just Google ISACA. Florida WOW conference, get yourself some tickets <laughs> on threat modeling and AppSec program. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a fake AppSec program based loosely on like my own experiences and apply the threat modeling for question framework from Adam Shostak to the program to discover where are our weak points within this program. And it's going to be interactive and all that stuff. But like, this is how much I like threat modeling is I'm like, meta threat modeling <laughs> things that aren't even normally threat modeled so yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm really into it <laughs> i can can see that and feel it <laughs> for sure yeah I, like my whole face just lights up <laughs> and you just meant you just mentioned that that you're having this talk and this is something else you mentioned before when we had a little chat you like you have lined up a lot of talks that you go out and talk about security and what you were doing and how tell us more about this inspires you to do that how did you approach this what's in it for you oh for sure so the main thing i get out of doing a talk is i get myself to a place of really deep understanding of the topic at hand so what i used to do when i was first starting out is i would pick a topic that i was really interested in that i had no knowledge in it at all And I would sign up for a meetup to give a talk on that topic. So for example, one of my, <laughs> one of my earliest talks was about building a gaming PC with AWS. And it was so fun. I wanted to learn about AWS and I love video games. So I was like, well, I'm going to just use a EC2 instance and like, see if I can build a gaming PC with like the proper specs off of this EC2 instance. Something I want to say to people, if you're thinking about starting with talks, it doesn't have to be perfect. The thing you built doesn't even have to work, right? Like my talk on that gaming PC, my specs for my actual computer to run the program were not up to par. Like the video card wasn't good enough and my PC would overheat so much where I would like touch it and it would actually burn my fingers. So it functionally like didn't work on my machine, but it does work on other people's machines. So all that is to say is like, I presented a talk on a thing that didn't work and people loved it. They were like, wow, that's so cool. But I was able to talk about my process, right? And the problems I solved, how I overcame those problems. So at the end of the day, it's really just a way to hold yourself accountable to actually learning something that you want to learn. And it keeps you out of the vacuum of self-study. The vacuum of self-study is a lonely, desolate, bad place to be. I think that everyone should build in public. I think everyone should learn in public. I think you should write blog posts about what you're learning. I think you should do podcasts about what you're learning. You gotta just like get yourself out there and be like, here's what I'm building. How do I improve? How do I like 
get unstuck here because engineering functionally is a knowledge sharing endeavor, mm -hmm. right? No one knows it all. That's impossible to know it all. No one has it all together. No one has their process all together. Like no one has all the knowledge in the world to fix a thing, but some people have areas of strengths that are at wolf in your weaknesses, right? So anyway, that's all, that's all, all that is to say is that's what I really get out of it is I get that deep understanding of something and I get connected to my community through doing it. Absolutely. You know, I've just realized when you talk about these meetups, because I think a lot of people wouldn't do that because they worry they go to a meetup and they get not shame, but maybe questions asked they can't answer. But yeah. then I realized most people who are going to this meetup, they go there to learn and they don't know anything about it either. So it doesn't really matter that you're not a super expert because you're talking to non-experts as well. And it makes it actually easier than to go and, and talk at these meetups. And I've never really thought about doing this with the talks. I always recommend to write blog posts. Mm -hmm. If someone says, oh, I want to get into the, into the tech space, but I don't know how, you usually say, pick a topic you like, and then write a blog post about it. So that's how you learn. You can, at the same time, you have the advantage of showcasing, you know about this and you have an expertise. So, but I've never really thought about doing these talks. That, that's actually a good point. That should, yeah. should be something I should try as well. Maybe one day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Give a talk. Like you would, you would get so much out of it. And like, Something that is interesting about writing blogs, doing talks, whatever you want to do to learn in public. Uh, if you are wrong, people will let you know. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to be humble about it. Most of the time people are kind about it. You know, they're not like, wow, you're really dumb. I've had a couple people be like, wow, you're really dumb. And that's okay, right? Like you take the feedback, whatever. But that's the only way you grow. So like you, it's also an opportunity for you to get that feedback that you need to get to that next level that you just wouldn't be able to see if you're just doing it all on your own. Absolutely. I, I had once an interaction on LinkedIn about someone telling me how dumb I was because I consumed information when like he was saying it's wrong. And I went back to this person saying, well, let's talk about it. I want to understand what is wrong. What is it that you know, I don't know. And his answer was like, basically, well, I don't talk to dumb people like you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't know what he was talking about. Whatever, no, no, no. When then a couple of years later or months later had someone else talking about the same topic, it was a woman and I reached out to her and was like, listen, I have this understanding. You just talked about this. Can I ask you some questions? She's like, sure, ask me. And I asked a question. She gave me an explanation that made perfect sense. And I was like, thank you. There are people out there who really want to share their knowledge because it's not about, I know better than you. It made her so much more, um, like I see her much more as an expert than the other guy, because I don't even know what the other guy knows. He just pretends to, to know more than I know. Yeah. And I think this is, this is a very good, very good approach to like yeah being humble and say okay i don't know this is the knowledge i have and more than happy to share and to learn from others as well yeah absolutely and i think you know those people that will help you will materialize and you know if you have people that are just being trolls like you gotta just kind of let it go i've had a i remember one time it's so funny kind of ties back to our whole idea of like if you are giving a talk and like you don't know the answers to questions and stuff like that would really put people off and i understand that my first ever conference talk I gave, like at a real live conference where people paid money to be there, 
Uh, I blanked out when it came to the Q&A session. I got so nervous that I just literally just went, right? And people were asking me questions. I couldn't answer a single question. Oh my God, it was so embarrassing. And I had a bunch of people come up to me after and be like, yeah, it's like a great talk, like good job. And then of course, a lot of times people will like upload these talks to the internet. And I had this one guy be like, I really didn't get anything out of this talk. And I was like, oh, you get up here and blank out and look like an idiot. <laughs> one of my, a really great piece of advice for me came from one of my former opera coaches. And I came to him, we were like doing a coaching session and I was like, man, I feel like I'm going to look really stupid when I'm integrating these ideas you have for my particular character. Like, they're so outrageous. I'm going to look so dumb. And he looks me dead in the face. And he goes, you are a performing artist. Your job is to look ridiculous. And I was like, okay, got it. And that's kind of been like in the back of my head. Every time I give a talk, I'm like, I am a performing artist or I'm like a technical like knowledge sharer my job is to look ridiculous i look ridiculous so that people will get the knowledge they need it's the cross that i bear <laughs> <laughs> exactly. i do it for you i do it for the community exactly exactly you're the one who is asking the dumb questions because nobody yeah. dares to ask them. But yep. I mean, this is this is so funny. If I had this situation once when I was still employed and having this office or this meeting full of guys, they were talking about something. I can't remember what it was. And I didn't get it. And I was like, so what is X, Y, Z? And then they started laughing. And I was like, can someone explain? And then it turned out they couldn't explain either. They just assumed everybody knows what it is. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, okay, I get it, I get it. Amazing. Yep. Everything. Thanks a lot for sharing all this. What is your, what's the future now? Tell us what's, what's coming next in your life? Yeah. So I'm currently on the job market. I'm looking for jobs as a product security engineer or an application security engineer. That's taking a lot of my time right now. I'm also consulting a bit, which is really fun. And I'm speaking at RSA. I just found out yesterday that I was formally accepted to RSA. So I'm very excited about that. And then because I'm insane and I don't know how to say no and stop myself, I'm also looking at open source projects to contribute my AppSec knowledge to. Mm -hmm. So I've got a couple of projects that I'm like vetting right now to see who would be the best possible um, tool to contribute my knowledge to. A lot of it is in the world of internet privacy, data privacy, of course, because I'm in cybersecurity and I want to like increase the privacy and safety of the internet so i would like mm. to work on tools like that so all that is to say if you're listening to this and you are an open source maintainer and you need help with your project in the security space i would love to take a look you can reach me at secureakira at gmail.com or if you're hiring for an appsec or product security engineer i mean maybe i can come work for you you know exactly yeah or if you're looking for someone just to come in and help build your AppSec program out on a consultancy base, I am available as well. Great. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to hear your talks and hopefully they will be recorded or maybe some of them can be joined online as well. Let us know. We share then the link also with uh, with this podcast where we can see you. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. On stage. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, she's famous. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> exactly. And yeah, thanks a lot for coming back and, and sharing more about your journey and how you developed. That was really insightful. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me, Prisca. And thanks to all our listeners. Did you enjoy this episode? Don't forget to comment or rate us on your podcast app. Never want to miss an episode again? Sign up now for our newsletter on techface.ch or follow us on Spotify or wherever you are listening to podcasts. Stay tuned and build your best career in tech.